Welcome back to In the Queue Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Phil. And this movie stretched the limits of me wondering, is this real or all imagined? More than any film I have ever seen until the very end. Yeah. Yeah. It it does that. <laughs> that it does. <laughs> I am Andrew, your other co-host, and... I actually can only recall one or two other times that, and I'm not using hyperbole here, that I was brought to tears from the joy that I was having (laughs) watching the film. My God. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, guys, seriously, guys out there, we're talking about Swiss Army Man, the new film by Daniels, who are now, like, the hottest directors around um, the hottest thing on. they had previously made it the music video for turn down for what a video that i had not seen until tonight i had to watch it after seeing swiss <laughs> army man um swiss army man was awarded the best director prize at sundance last year um mm-hmm. so yeah uh, we're going to talk all about this remarkable movie today uh but first i want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web you can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. And on our blog, you'll find all of our episodes. You'll find capsule summaries for every film posted. Um, and then also on our Facebook page, just search Facebook for In The Q, Q-U-E-U-E is how it's spelled. And on our Facebook page, all of our episodes are there as well. We also post videos and other things that kind of supplement the discussion that we're having that week. Mm-hmm. Also, Facebook is the best way for you to get in touch with us. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. We would love to have you uh, request a film, and then we'll have you on the show. You'll Skype in, and then we'll record an episode where we talk about the film of your choice. Um, mm-hmm. Every week, we release a new Listener's Choice film. We love it. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, uh, and it is at ITQ Podcast. Follow us. We'll follow you back. And then lastly, we have a iTunes subscription. That's one way you can listen to us is just subscribe to our podcast in the queue. We're on iTunes. We're also found on the podcast app and the overcast app for your smartphone. Uh, Indeed. So this movie, Swiss Army Man, um, it's got a small cast. Uh, For the most part, you're you're watching Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe as Mm -hmm. Hank and Manny, respectively. And the film begins with... Paul Dano on some remote island and uh, he's somewhere in the Pacific. Yeah, he's he's very disheveled. He's been sending out uh, messages like floating objects in the water to try and get somebody to find him. Uh, and then the, the messages on the object actually reveal the setup for the film. Uh, they mm-hmm. reveal that he was shipwrecked and that he's trapped on this island. And when we see him, he's about to hang himself, and he's all... And yeah, a very interesting character detail on one of those items was, I am so bored. Right. That's right. <laughs> Never mind that I might die here. I'm just really bored. Um, yeah. That yeah. was interesting. And he's he's about to hang himself, and he's he's got a full beard. He's very disheveled. And right when he's about to leap off of the cooler and break his own neck, he sees a body laying in the surf and mercifully the rope snaps as he's about to be strangled and he falls down and he runs over and it's Daniel Radcliffe 
and it's a, a man dressed in a suit, uh, most likely dead, not moving, stiff, lifeless. And as uh, Paul Dano examines the corpse, he starts to talk to it because he's desperate for attention, and he's kind of, you know, checking to see if it's if it's alive, and it's not alive, but it is very gassy, and that <laughs> begins is. a theme that will continue for the entire hour and thirty five minutes of this film is just how gassy this corpse is, but. As you will learn when you see this film, the gassiness and the fart jokes, while they are kind of amusing, at first anyway, they do serve a major purpose for the story. And this story is unlike anything that I've ever seen in any movie. It is... Unquestionably. Uh, one of the reviews of the that's in the trailer calls it a spectacular vision. You don't really hear the term spectacular used to describe movies that come out these days. But it really is spectacular. It's one of the most imaginative films I've ever seen. And one of the most assured films. I mean, a lot of times when people make decidedly weird movies, with a few exceptions of true auteurs like David Lynch, you you, you don't you get you get half measures where they they sort of dip their toe in the waters of weirdness and then they pull back and assure you the audience that don't worry, we're not, we're not getting too crazy here. Mm -hmm. This film is absolutely heedless in how weird it is willing to get and how weird it's willing to be. And it never flinches even once. Mm -hmm. It just goes, it moves forward headlong into what can only be described as the weirdest one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I actually wanted to, and I, love I it. wanted to ask the directors who are both named Daniel, um, Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. I, if I were to ask them one question about this movie, I would say, take me back to that moment when you guys gave yourself permission to really tell the story to the hilt and really tell it exactly the way you wanted to tell it. And, and because it is. They came from a music video background, obviously. And the music video, while it does feature a moving boner, just like Swiss Army Man, the video does not give you like a, a clear straight line as to how they ended up with this place. But what I do think is that a lot of great directors came from music videos, especially in the sure. 80s and 90s. And David Fincher, one of, one of your favorite directors. Yeah, not one of yours, though. Well, no, I love I love David. You Fincher. do? I just, oh yeah, sure. I love Fincher. I just don't love Seven. Oh, okay. Well, he's made lots of <laughs> other great movies, but but the you know with a with a music video, you've got like you've got so much more freedom to be inspired and be creative, and and music is a language that's different from the written word, and these people are so sort of imaginative. And and so confident in their vision that uh, it trans their vision translates so well to the the feature film format. Um, but this movie is it's not just about style. It's not just about crazy visuals and weirdness. There seems to be a lot going on about about the plight of of young men in yeah. modern yeah. in modern life. 
Oh yeah, this film is not just a surface film. It's not just a weirdness for the sake of weirdness film. There's actually a great amount of depth to yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I would love to talk more about that. Surprisingly so, I thought. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are going to get hung up on like, oh, how was Swiss Army Man? It was weird. Uh, well, I'm from North Carolina, so that's why I'm imitating that. <laughs> but like, but yeah, there's more to it than just fart jokes and dick jokes. Um, Paul Dano's character talks about how he's infatuated with this woman. The, the only major female character in the film, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and he's infatuated with her. And if you were watching the movie, you might think that the film was glamorizing this infatuation and romanticizing it. Yeah. But it isn't. It's really just kind of showing how Paul Dano's character is, is afraid of of actually reaching out and making a connection and maybe mm-hmm. afraid of shattering his own preconceptions and illusions about this quote unquote dream girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's a, a plight that I think a lot of guys have where they idolize women that they don't know. Sure. And they think that this woman is the perfect woman, not based on knowing her or what she wants, but on inventing this scenario in your mind because you're infatuated with the way she looks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and you've got he—he he has this one snapshot of her that's the wallpaper on his phone. Uh, that is—it's it, you know—it's—it is the source of all of his storytelling in his mind about her, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's written out this whole uh, narrative in his brain about this woman, <clears throat> but he's also interestingly enough cognizant or knowledgeable about the fact that she has a life she has a family she has mm-hmm. you know a, an existence it's in a very curious turn of events he convinces daniel radcliffe that this is his phone he convinces manny that this is his phone and that this is his woman because manny can't remember anything about his time when he was alive mm-hmm. and so he has to be retaught everything and hank takes it upon himself to teach him everything about everything. And so he convinces Manny that this was his phone and this woman was a woman that he loved. And, uh, and so it's, it's, he allows Manny who we don't know whether, you know, throughout the film, we don't know whether he, this is really happening right. or not. Yeah. He, he convinces Manny and that, that he's in love with this woman and it becomes, his surrogate like we, we we experience hank's feelings through manny and it becomes this kind of inverse loop where he is experiencing the feelings that he originally experienced about her despite the fact that he has <laughs> knowledge that makes those feelings invalid yeah, well, that's I mean, it's, that's a, it's fascinating. It's a it's fascinating. cerebral way to put it, for sure. Um, yeah, but like you mentioned, that the, the filmmakers never kind of retreat from their the boldness of their vision, and they yeah. there's this one moment midway through the film where uh, uh, Paul Dano has gotten Daniel Radcliffe to to speak and move and uh-huh. uh, perform duties that are very useful, like like using. Daniel Radcliffe's teeth in which to shave his beard off. Yes. <laughs> um, and then there's a moment where, where uh, Paul Dano says, you're just a, you're just a corpse. You're not, you know, like 
you may even be something that I invented just because I was so bored. And then as, as an audience, we're kind of like, oh, okay, is this it? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Is this the big reveal? But then that's kind of abandoned. And instead, the movie gets more and more fantastical and improbable. And then it, it, it ends on a very improbable note. And, you know, it's kind of like, do you take this as metaphor? Do you take this as allegory? Do you take this as fact? Did we actually just watch a corpse come to life and then uh, through its powers of flatulence rescue? And, <laughs> and, and how on earth did they end up from the island that they were on on another island and then on the coast oh. of California? <laughs> Yeah, and and specifically in this woman's backyard, in her freaking backyard, directly. Yeah, you know, in the woods behind her house is where they're hanging out. So it's... this is like almost like a new kind of storytelling. And leave it to A twenty four, the distribution company. Oh, I love these guys because these people are putting out uh, left and right. They're putting out these really challenging uh, films that are different from what anybody else is doing. They made yeah, Under, Under the Skin. They made The Rover. They made Room. Uh, oh. They made the the Babadook, right? That one too. Yeah. So there's they're getting so much work, and they're putting out so many movies every year, and it's kind of like I, this is my sort of call to arms for all movie fans out there: is latch on to A twenty four, watch everything that they do. They did Spring Breakers. Yeah. If you're if you're you know frustrated and bored with all the movies that are coming out in your in your multiplex. Uh, all the latest Star Wars movies or, or Hunger Games or Warcraft or all this, the main studio pap, uh, check out what A24 is doing because as I've just been espousing their greatness, they really are making things that nobody has ever seen before. Yeah, Ex Machina. Ex Machina. And they're not, it's not just for the sake of shock value either. A lot of it is really thought-provoking and, and yeah. smart. Very smart. Very smart. Oh. Ex Machina was my favorite film of last year. But actually, so. I do want to just kind of say that I did see this movie at a multiplex, though. <laughs> uh, as, did, as did I. I saw it at a, a 25 theater multiplex in Times Square. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, I was like, yeah. I mean, this is the theater that I work at. And um, most of the people who were there were there to see, you know, uh, Tarzan and, and yeah. things, things was, like that. There were a lot of people there for Tarzan when I was there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the did did you see the trailer for American Honey in front of this? Yeah, which is another A twenty four film. I, it looked incredible. It looks very uh, exuberant. I don't know if I am excited to watch it, but it looks very. Oh, I'm excited. Looks very robust and youthful. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I mean this this uh, it's you know I I don't want to talk too much about the the details of this film because a big part of the enjoyment of this film is the complete shock and surprise mm -hmm. at what happens next. Yeah. Um, because when you, when you don't think that it can get any crazier, it does. And, but it all, it all operates within an internal logic that allows the film to, to never seem over the top or to never lose the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean that's something I've complained about on this podcast before. Is is films that uh, they they go in a direction that it, it just it, it it forces 
the audience to kind of detach from what's happening and they violate the own internal logic of the film. So they're like, we set up the logic of the film and then we are, we're going to violate it for the purposes of making the story move to the place that we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And this film, instead of working from that blueprint, it works from a bl- blueprint that says, we're going to set up the rules of this world. And then we're going to give you more rules of this world and more rules of this world. And until you, 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 nothing is unbelievable mm-hmm. anymore. And, uh, and certainly the, the way that the film resolves sort of, sort of proves that point. Yeah. Uh, because it, it just, it just keeps upping the ante until the very end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's such a beautifully sad and tender film. Uh, and it's such a beautifully, but, but it's also incredibly funny and incredibly happy. And like I said, there. There was a moment in the film, there's a montage of these two men doing stuff together. Um, and there's this kind of wonderful uh, thing that happens throughout the film where uh, diegetic singing. <laughs> yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Well, yeah, that that particular, that ba, 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 ba song tur- turns into this beautiful musical score. Yeah. That then plays over this montage. And I was just watching the montage and I was just in such awe of what I was seeing. Yeah. I mean, this movie, it is very reflexive. Uh, it does include sort of overlapping diegetic and non-diegetic sound, as there's, which is what Andrew was talking about. Yeah. Uh, and then it also is very referential to the, the, the medium of filmmaking itself. Um, yeah. Jurassic Park is a major, uh, yeah. a major component of this movie, which is really funny because last night I watched Jurassic Park, and today I saw somebody with a Jurassic Park T-shirt at work, and I said, "Hey, I just watched that last night." And then I watched Swiss Army Man, so God is trying to tell me something about Jurassic Park. <laughs> what prompted you to watch Jurassic Park last night? Because my wife wanted to watch ET, and I said, "Well, let's watch Jurassic Park instead." And Oh, I would never make that choice. Well, we we I watched would... ET recently, so when I, when oh, I say okay. recently, I mean within the past several months. I would I could watch ET a million times. I could watch it every day for the rest of my life. Well, clearly there is something there's a larger purpose at work here because Jurassic <laughs> Park is 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 definitely re- working its way into your life. Yeah. But um yeah, and so it's reflexive in that regard too, because it it talks about movies and and uh, Paul Dana's character talks about how you know there's these parts in movies when this happens and this happens, and uh, humorously, none of those things happen in Swiss Army Man because it's so <laughs> original. Um, but the music itself is very kind of powerful and uplifting, and it almost it, is. it makes you feel like the movie is trying to save your life as a viewer uh it makes it it feels like the movie is trying to save humanity it's so the scope (laughs) is so ambitious and the fact that paul dano's character his name is hank is is explaining things to manny he's having to explain things that you and i as viewers take for granted like what is love what is sex what is attraction the very fact that he's having to explain these things as if Manny was a child or somebody who knew nothing about being an adult, uh, it kind of, it, I feel like it engenders that it wants to wow us with the profundity of all these things that we take for granted and all these things that kind of we've we've lost our 
joy about life because we're hardened by the the adult world. Well, I think it's not just hardened by the adult world. I think I think this film is definitely pointedly about uh, self hatred and self criticism, and and how detrimental that can be to one's existence. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, the Paul Dano's character, Hank, is so incredibly down on himself. Mm-hmm. Like he, he really genuinely hates himself. And so it, having Manny be this kind of innocent that knows nothing about the world and forces Hank to reassess these things and, um, and re-acknowledge them mm-hmm through his explanations to Manny, I think that that's sort of the, the deeper message that's at work here is that, you know, uh, allowing yourself to get into that headspace and get into the, uh, you know, a, a level of self-hatred that intense is nothing but destructive. It's nothing, mm-hmm. it's not a constructive uh, impulse. And, you know, I mean, God, this, I mean, this movie it's so funny at times. I'm I, I'm reminded of a moment in the film when, as you say, Hank is trying to explain things to Manny, and uh, he's he has his cell phone out. I think for the first time, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Manny asks why he can't see. He can't. He can't. He basically shows him a picture of this this woman, Sarah, this dream woman, and. Uh, he says, "Well, I want to. I want to keep looking at that." And he says, "No, I can't do it because I need to save. I need to conserve battery power so that when we get back in range, I can uh, get service and call people." And there's this perfect moment, just like perfect comic timing. And Manny is basically like, "I have so many questions about everything that you just <laughs> said." <laughs> because you're thinking about it, and it's all this stuff that he takes for granted. Hank takes for yeah. granted, and it's actually some very complicated you know, uh, jargon that he's yeah. using uh, to somebody who's never heard of any of this stuff. And before. the name Swiss Army Man, of course, refers to the Swiss Army Knife, which helps you to survive in the wilderness, right? And has many, many different uses. Right, but not only is he helping him survive, he's helping him thrive. He's help, He's almost like his psychiatrist as well, who's helping Hank's mm-hmm. mental state, helping his opinion of himself, uh, trying to yeah. see himself as a lovable person. Um, somebody who deserves to not just survive, but to be happy and be loved by his father and by Sarah and by whoever he wants. By anybody. Yeah. yeah. And um, he, in fact, Manny says multiple times in the film, nobody loves you. Yeah. And that was a laugh line. But it, at the same time, it's serious. It's deeply yeah, sad. Yeah. That's the part where people were laughing in the theater, but it also serves the story. It serves the relationship between the characters. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I think that, uh, Swiss army man was not, not a letdown in the slightest for me because I had seen the first trailer and, uh, if you know nothing of Swiss army man, I would, I would feel good about saying, watch the first trailer, trailer number one, because that's sure. going to give you a taste of what you're in for, but it's not going to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, or just go in blind to this movie. I mean, I would highly recommend going in blind because I, you know, even even with the trailer, I was like, ooh, when are they going to do that thing I saw in the trailer? <laughs> that 
crazy looking thing. So I would almost encourage you not to do that. Um, and incidentally, one thing that I did not see in any of the trailers that completely blew my mind was the person, the man who plays Sarah's husband in the film is my friend Tim Ulick. Oh. That I went to high school with, and I was in a production of The Importance of Being Earnest with him, and I played Jack Worthing, and he played Algie. Wow. Look <laughs> at him now. I know. Well, he went to the North Carolina School of the Arts. He's been working as a stuntman for the last 15 years. He's he's a very accomplished uh, actor and stuntman. So uh, I was just absolutely joyful at seeing him on screen. I, I nearly, you know passed out when I, saw him. I was like oh my god it's Tim. That's hilarious yeah I, actually there's a few people from our experience at the school of the arts who've gone on to become famous actors like danny mcbride is probably the biggest uh-huh. one and paul schneider has been in films by jane campion as well as david gordon green okay. and and others um yeah so that it just goes to show i mean people from our generation who are interested in movies are getting work and they're getting out there um, that's true so I feel like Swiss Army Man is it's a tour de force in many ways. It's got superb acting throughout. Um, 90% of the movie is just Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe together acting. And I, I've, I don't know if I've ever liked Paul Dano in a movie more than I have with this one. Um, I would completely agree with that. And I think that both performances are unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just... Astonishing. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe's physical performance alone is is mind blowing. Yeah. But that he can layer on top of that such a complex uh, emotional performance as well is is truly impressive. You know, I was saying to to my wife about how I think this movie is going to sweep the uh, Independent Spirit Awards uh, next year, and I yeah. think that Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe are definitely going to get nominated for their performances at the spirit awards and uh sure you know the oscars maybe is a long shot but that's a whole different ball game oh man well i mean this i think this will fit into a long tradition of films that i love to death that will not get a single nomination at the oscars <laughs> yeah but it's getting a really decent rating it's getting a great rating on imdb so far um and great reviews after pretty much all after around it premiered at sundance it had kind of sort of a middling early or early sevens, like 7.3. But then since it's gotten a release uh, in theaters, it's, it's shot up to 7.9 out of 10, which is great. Um, So yeah. And, and I think that, uh, you know, coming out of Sundance, it was being referred to as the farting corpse movie and, and people didn't really know what to make of that. But I think that the very, clever and compelling trailers sort of helped pique people's interest in it. And now that it's out, I think uh, people are really almost everybody that I know that I would talk to where I'm like, I'm, I, I'm going to see Swiss army man for the podcast this week. They're like, Oh man, I really want to see that. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, you know, it, it fits into a, a, a place in the collective consciousness that, that uh, an itch that needs to be scratched. <laughs> Well, that's what uh, Werner Herzog said about films. He said that the only difference between he and his viewers is that he can actually articulate the visions that are going on in the collective unconscious. Um, they ha- they yeah. both have the same dreams, but he is the one who can actually interpret them. 
Uh, I don't know if I've ever had a dream like anything in Swiss Army Man, uh, but... Well, also interesting that you mention Werner Herzog because he's the one who said that our our culture is starved for unique Ad- images, Adequate images, right? he said. For adequate Give us images. adequate images. Well, I would say that this film is chock full of things I've never seen before. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, we're both very enthusiastic about Swiss Army Man, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah. So we both recommend yeah. it, I think it's safe to say. 